0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time out for the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What day it is? Half-Home Day? T-
1: Happy hump day everyone It's already here Happy Wednesday It's 7.01 with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers And officially licensed Rolex Jeweler with Michelle Smallman I am Randy Carricker. Good morning Michelle, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well Randy, good morning to you
1: And uh, for those of you that are affected by the incredible and incessant rain over the last 48 hours We're thinking of you And remain careful out there Because Mother Nature, she's a bee she's a bee <laughs> yeah. oh man she's tough
2: <laughs> she is being a bee the ba- the yeah. past couple days and you're right yesterday was so sad watching the devastation that so many families and uh businesses are enduring here in our st louis area from the the animal shelters to the the homes that were affected the families that were affected we're thinking of you and everybody be safe because the rain is not over too we're supposed to get more rain historic rain we've been having yeah. this is awful
1: yeah it's been pretty bad it kept matthew Rockio up all night again last night. uh, Michelle, you had issues in your basement yesterday. Yeah, Uh, but
2: but honestly, seeing what everybody else had been dealing with, I feel incredibly lucky that that's all we had to deal with.
1: Thank goodness for that. Again, if you are, we're all affected by the rain, so we're thinking of you, but especially if it is your home or your business or your pet's, uh, we're thinking of you here in the studio here at 101 espn and we'll try to lighten things up over the course of the next few hours former cardinal broadcaster mike shannon has a book out we're going to talk to him at the bottom of the hour and adam wainwright will join us because it is hump day it's wednesdays with wayno day in the nine o'clock hour here on 101 espn and during the course of the show we're also going to give away a four pack of tickets to the Ozzie Smith bobblehead night next week. It's the Cards and Cubs. It's the Budweiser bash, and we'll have tickets for that. The Cardinals, Michelle, have played four games now since the All Star break, and they have lost three of them, including getting drubbed last night in Toronto by a score of 10-3 to by the Jays. I
2: thought you said we were going to lighten things up on the show. Yeah, not great. Not Not great great last night, Randy. Not great. Boy, does this team need some pitching, and they need it in the worst way.
1: Yeah, they do. And Andre Pellante is a really nice bullpen piece and kept the Cardinals in the game for four innings, but the bullpen wasn't able to do their job, and the Cardinals did lose by a score of 10-3. to Fortunately for the Cardinals, their number two hitter, Dylan Carlson, got them off to a good start. And the shift on the right side. And Dylan hits a high fly ball into deep right field. Hernandez is back at the wall, and it's gone. It's a home run for Dylan Carlson, his sixth of the year. And on a 2-2 pitch, he makes it 1-0 St. Louis. So it's one nothing, but you are missing the reigning National League player of the week and the probable MVP in the National League. Your number three hitter last night, Tyler O'Neill grounded out to second and then Albert flied out. It was a one-nothing game in favor of the Cardinals after a half inning. But those are the sorts of things Michelle that make a difference. Because if you get a if you get another run, mm-hmm. if you have a Goldie or Arenado, then all of a sudden Pallante pitches differently than with a one nothing lead, and this is a really good offense that they're facing, but a home run and it's 2-1 in the bottom of the first for Toronto.
2: Yeah, you're always going to be in a better position when you have your two best players in the mm-hmm. lineup. That, those are just the facts, and especially if Paul Goldschmidt, as you mentioned, who's been on such a tear, is there. He's such a weapon, and... Uh, who knows that that could have been the difference in the game? But I don't know if those two guys could pitch. You know, no, that's the thing. So uh, they could have only done so much, right?
1: And that's why you would have hoped to have build up built up a lead. But the fact of the matter is, you didn't have those guys. You're down three-one. Cardinals tie the game three-three in the sixth, and Jordan Hicks gets a second inning of work after Palante allowed three runs in four innings. But in the sixth, a runner at third, two out after a Carlson error, and you can just see the body language of Hicks not great. An RBI hit makes it 4-3, a walk, should have taken him out then, but didn't. Another walk, loading the bases. Now, Ali Marmol brings in Junior Fernandez to face George Springer. The 3-2,
0: and drilled the left center field! Grand slam, George Springer!
1: And there's Dan Schulman on the Toronto Blue Jays Network. That made it eight to three and 10-3 was the final. And the Cardinals, as we mentioned, have lost two of three since the, or three of four rather, since the All-Star break. And those walks, Ali Marmol, pretty devastating.
3: If you look at how we're built, we play good defense and um, our guys are on the ground. So to your point, you, you just can't, if you don't miss bats, you can't walk people. It's a bad combo um because it is it's hard to string together quality at bats especially against 100. um but when you allow free bases that's where you get yourself in
1: trouble hicks two walks four earned runs junior fernandez two walks three earned runs and that's seven of the runs in a seven run game
2: not great not great and i don't know i'm very curious randy how you and how everyone else was feeling watching that game last night because george springer hits that there's a crack of the bat and honestly it felt like I could feel myself slump in the chair and I know you're missing your two best players last night Mm -hmm. I know that we're hoping that the Cardinals get some pitching help at the deadline and that some of these guys who aren't healthy maybe come back down the stretch but I'm just wondering how everyone's feeling about this team because it's not just the game last night it's the way they've opened the second half in general losing 3 of 4 it just kind of feels like a I at least am wondering, is this team really going to be good enough? And I'm wondering if John Moselik in the front office is wondering the same thing. And if this may have shifted the way that they view how they should approach the deadline. Because you don't want to give up the future if you don't think that the current team is good enough for you to go for it. And I'm wondering, Randy, if they're good enough.
1: I come back, Michelle, number one, without their guys, they aren't good enough. But aside from the two that aren't there, you're missing so much energy when you don't have Harrison Bader on the field. Mm -hmm. And Dylan Carlson is playing great. Playing great. But that error last night was a big thing for Hicks. Because you could see, we we talk about slumping, our shoulders slumping. Well, that happened to Jordan Hicks with with the throwing error last night. You can
2: see the body language. Yeah, no
1: doubt about it. But at the end of the day, this team is mediocre. Even if they have their entire team together because of the pitching, Mm -hmm. they're mediocre. And yeah, they could do some things. It would take some magic for them to be above mediocre. But when you're mediocre and then things don't go your way and you lose Flaherty and you lose Mats and Jordan Hicks isn't what you expected, he was. Jordan Hicks should have never been in the starting rotation. What the heck are they thinking? Come on. And so. And you're
2: the, right. Bader not being there is a big part of the equation, too. Yeah,
1: it is. So there's a lot of things that have happened to this team. And they just. I, I use the word sharp. They don't look sharp to me, and I don't know how you get that back. You know what I think a big part of it was? The guy who caused, or maybe, maybe was a victim of the philosophical differences. I think Mike Schilt helped the sharpness of this ball club.
2: What do you think the difference is? you think it was behind the scenes, things that he would do behind the scenes, or do you think it was just his baseball mind in general that provided them that sharpness?
1: I think that the daily attention to detail, and he would talk about this all the time, but making sure that you were in tune defensively and base running and didn't make mistakes. Granted, he ran into the problems with walks with his team last year, too. The pitching has been an issue now for a couple of years, especially. The walks but yeah i think that mike schilt his personality his intensity brought a level of sharpness to the club and for a young team i think that helps i think for a veteran team the stoicness is it stoicness or is it stoicity
2: stoicism
1: stoicism there you go thank you of alimar mall yeah i i think that that's that can be a good thing for a veteran team but when you have a team with as much youth as this has, I think that their energy needs to be reinforced. But
2: Ali Marmal has that sharpness and the fact that you always kind of know where everybody stands with him. Mm-hmm. He, he is very transparent about what's going on with the team. I mean, he really, it's not that as if he throws guys under the bus. I don't want to suggest that. But I imagine that the things he says to the media, he's already said to their face.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they're just different personalities. Yeah. And uh, I I don't think that Ali Marmol cannot be a successful manager, but I think that one of the things that Mike Schilt fostered was a level of sharpness and attention to detail. And he did it every single day. I don't know if Marmol doesn't, but I I know that Schilt did. Mm -hmm. And that's just, if you're going to find the difference between a really sharp defensive team over the last couple of years... A sharp fundamental team over the last couple of years, and a team that seems to be experiencing some decay in those areas, and again, losing your center fielder is the best one in the game, has yeah. something to do with it. Having your infield torn apart, because even now, even if you go look at Fangrass right now, Paul Young is still like top six or seven in runs uh, DRS among shortstops in the National League. Edmund's doing great there too, but Gorman isn't doing at second base, what Edmund did. So you lost your defense there as well. And so sharp is the word I use. And I don't know if they can get that back. I hope they can.
2: And I just wonder if you're John Moselock or, you know, Michael Gersh or or the front office and you're having these discussions. It's like you're in a boat and there's a bunch of holes in the boat and you're thinking, are we going to give up some of our resources to fix the holes in the boat? But we don't we're not going to be able to fix all the holes in the boat eventually we're we're just going to mm-hmm. sink. And do we allow it to sink and then just try again and get a new boat next year? I don't know because I, I keep looking at the the pitching market, Randy, and I'm not sure that A, the, the guys are out there that are going to be able to really help this team. And yes, with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, it's a different ball club. Mm-hmm. And you will be getting those two back. But I just know that they're reluctant to give up prospects and resources anyway. And when the team comes out, either it's one of two things either they're going to act with more of a sense of urgency because of the way that -hmm. the team is right now or they're going to look at the product and say we're better extending our contention window with the future with the future that's coming up the pipeline than we are giving that away to go for it this year
1: and we're sitting here on july 27th talking about this the cardinals are over 500 right now they are three games out in the division but in the wild card race, they're still doing fine. If the playoffs were to have started, or if they were to start today, the Cardinals would be in an expanded playoff. And since John Mozeliak took over, actually since Tony La Russa took over, the Cardinals have been pretty much a September team. So... We might be premature in having this conversation at all because they are global thinkers in terms of the way that a season unfolds. Last year is a perfect example, right? They had some years where it didn't turn on for them in September. But there's also a reason that we can give the stat that since the end of the 2010 season, They played five games that didn't have playoff implications because they focus on being in that playoff race, not the World Series race necessarily. I don't know if this is world, I don't think this is World Championship Club, but they are able somehow to gear their team to be prepared for September. There's a lot of teams that get to the end of August and they're in the hunt, but then they're seven, eight, nine, ten games out by the time the season ends, and the Cardinals never seem to be in that situation.
2: They they always seem to find a way, but I don't know if you're going to be able to find a way if you don't have the pitching. And Steven Matz and Jack Flaherty are likely not walking back through that door. You're right. And are they going to give up the prospects in order to go out and get the pitching that's really going to fortify this team enough for them to make that push? And I... I'm with you. They're far more patient than we are. And the team usually does find a way to flip that switch down the stretch and put themselves in a position to get into the playoffs. But we're talking about a fan base and a team. Remember, Nolan Arenado said it as well. That's sick of the wild card. They're sick of the DS. They want more than that. And I just don't know if the front office is looking at this team and saying, let's give up pieces necessary to add to this group because they're capable of going farther than that.
1: And I guess the other thing that we have to look at is that the guys the Cardinals do have right now at the front of their rotation, Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis, are on a collision course with 200 innings again. Is a 40, soon-to-be 41-year-old Adam Wainwright capable of pitching down the stretch and in the playoffs at his age after giving you a 200 inning season. Is Miles Michaelis, who essentially didn't pitch for two years, 20 and 21, is he prepared at 125 innings right now to give you 200 innings? I don't know, but I would be concerned about it if I were the ball club.
2: Those are the only two I don't really have concerns about. Everybody else, I'm, ner- I'm, I'm getting the white knuckles. Well,
1: <laughs> the other ones right now Again, they're, they're all young, but and Dakota Hudson isn't even back yet. But Libertor and uh, Dakota Hudson and Palante, if those are the back three of your rotation, they've never done it before. So how can you have expectations? I you, you can't have expectations. So it, there's a chance that this could all blow up on the
2: Cardinals too. thought we were going to turn things around this morning.
1: Yeah, we were trying, but then they lost 10-3.
2: Come on, Wayneo. Let's get her, let's get yeah. her done tonight.
1: Need, to, need Adam Wainwright to step up for the Cardinals tonight. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and it is Hump Day, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. Ask Uncle Randy is next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
1: It's character and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and it is a Wednesday edition of the show, and that means... It's time to ask Uncle Randy. What do you got coming up this weekend? You got some fun stuff? Hey, we've got uh, the last month of summer coming up. You need to take advantage of that. And hey... Michelle, young love is still a thing. So let's let's talk about it. Text in 65780 if you have a question for Uncle Randy.
2: Do you want to start with an easy question or a difficult one?
1: Oh, Michelle, I always like to start off with the difficult questions.
2: Okay, this one's tough. From, okay. From the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, my wife and I, we haven't been intimate in three years. Mm. She takes medicine that kills her drive and she's had some issues with pain. We've talked about it multiple times. She just says, I'll let you know when I'm ready. What would you do in my position?
1: That is an exceedingly difficult question, and uh, I, I do feel for you. And I think all you can do is sympathize with her, try to talk her through it. I would hope that it's a medical issue that a doctor could solve, and if you're comfortable going to her, say, hey, I want you to experience as much pleasure in life as you possibly can, and there are medical alternatives. Let's go to your doctor and see if we can get this solved. Now you're what you're doing is putting it in her hands there because her pleasure is your pleasure right but what you have to do i believe is from a thim- sympathetic perspective say hey I, I want your life to be as good as it possibly can so let's go to a doctor and see if we can solve this problem
2: that's why you're the best uncle randy from the 636, dear Uncle Randy, if I have a coworker who works at clo- at close proximity to me that eats black jelly bean- beans and drinks decaf regularly, should I request a different workstation? Uh,
1: I think yes. Uh, and I think Aunt Michelle can weigh in here. I, I think we might be talking serial killer.
2: I would definitely request a different workstation or else you might end up dead. Yeah, I don't... Do you want to live is the question. What are you
1: thinking? I mean, how could somebody do that to themselves? Is is that the ultimate, well, not the ultimate, but at least in terms of a work environment, is that like the the greatest level of self-loathing that you could have in public is eating black jelly beans and drinking decaf?
2: (laughs) Regularly too. Yeah that becomes your identity you're a black jelly beans guy yeah,
1: somebody's recognizing that so yes as an employee i would say i would go to the boss and say hey, i really like this person but point out the reasons Say, hey, can i get a different workstation because this person is eating black jelly beans and drinking decaf the boss will
2: understand there might be knives in their drawer instead of pens you don't know
1: this is an hr issue as far as i'm
2: concerned <laughs> it's a safety issue as far as I'm concerned it really is. yeah. Uh, speaking of sharpness Randy from the 636 you mentioned that the Cardinals aren't sharp do you think Yachty being there will keep everyone sharp
1: that is a great point and I hope Yachty comes back with that sort of attitude now there are a couple of things I, we don't know why Yachty has been gone we hope it's just physical I hope Yachty is into it because seems like if you're willing to leave the team for a couple of months, maybe you aren't as into it as you have been in the past. But if he comes back and he is into it and he wants to present that level of sharpness, is his influence after several months away going to be what it was had he been here? That's my question. I hope mm-hmm. he certainly has presented that in the past. But in his last year, in the last two months of his last year, after not being around for a couple of months, is his intensity and sharpness going to translate to the rest of the ball club? I don't know.
2: I hope he comes back with that signature or Molina fire and that he gathers everybody in the clubhouse and says, this is my last ride. We better make mm-hmm. every pitch count because I want to go out on top, so does Albert. And whether Wayno is hanging him up or not, he deserves that too. And I want everybody to be giving 110% all the time. Are you going to have to deal with me?
1: Do you remember a time back in the day when Carlos Martinez was good?
2: I don't know if I can remember that far back.
1: 2013, (laughs) down the stretch, Carlos Martinez is a young pitcher. And I I can still see it in my mind's eye. Carlos loads the bases in a game with Milwaukee. And I think there's two out. And he loads the bases with walks. No, one out one out and this was before we had the rule about mound visits but yadi goes out to the mound and he's literally pounding carlos martinez on the chest yelling at him mm-hmm. gets back behind the plate and carlos strikes out the next two guys out of the inning and carlos was good for a long time after that until he got the contract actually for a year after he got the contract he was a really good pitcher for a long time and that's the sort of influence that I would hope that Yachty could have on these young pitchers. Go out and get them straightened up. Let's do it. He used to do it. Even we'd go up to uh, Brad Thompson say, "Poppy, can you do this?" And then Brad would say yes and allow a home run, but still, he he was trying to sharpen the guy up.
2: What do you think would be scarier, having Yachty come out and pound on your chest and yell at you, or Chris Carpenter yell at you, Brendan Ryan style? <laughs> in the the stairwell okay what would be scary because both are this, really terrifying yeah, this is
1: a legit question and let's assume the yachty does have the neck tats he
2: does he's got him
1: still though the thing is carp is six, six <laughs> huge. and at least sometimes you see yachty smile brad, brad says that he never saw carp smile so i would say the carpenter would be more intimidating
2: and especially because mm-hmm. he he's doing it where he thinks is out of camera shot, and, you know. You're like, yep, no no right. one's coming to get right. me. Yeah. At least with Yachty, you're on the mound and everybody. You got tens of thousands of witnesses.
1: Yep. And here's one other point that needs to be made here, Michelle, is we talk about Yachty's neck tats. You didn't see it when he was on the mound, and he always wore long sleeve shirts. Chris Carpenter's body is completely inked. Oh, completely inked.
2: Legs, arms, yep, the back, whole bit. Everything, the whole bit. So
1: and he's got some intimidating tats he, he doesn't just have a blues with an arch on his body <laughs> uh so yeah that would i, I would say carp by a nose over yachty in terms of being more intimidating because carp's looking down at you if you're brendan ryan you know he's and maybe even poking you in the chest
2: either way i'm standing up straighter i promise you no that.
1: doubt about it
2: i'm sorry sir <laughs> <laughs> uh from the three one four dear uncle randy who's gonna lead the blues in total points this coming season Pavel
1: Butchnevich is going to lead the Blues in Good total pick. points. Good pick. He, by the end of this coming season, because he's already the most talented guy, he's got such a, a long, quick stick, and he uses it on both ends of the ice, and he can really skate. I think he's the most talented guy on the team. And I think that that will be borne out in numbers this coming season.
2: Okay. Uh, two more. Dear Uncle Randy, my wife and I, we're having our third daughter next month. Congratulations. Congratulations. Neither of us can agree on a name. She has one in particular that she loves, but I'm not a big fan of it. Should I give my wife the ultimate power in naming the child since she's been carrying her for so long? Or should I stand my ground and keep trying to come up with another name?
1: Think middle names, too. Yes, I would give your wife the ultimate power with her name. As long as it's a name within reason.
2: He says he doesn't like it.
1: Yeah, but... like if she's gonna call the baby Trey because it's the third daughter, no, I'm not on board with that. But if she likes the name, I'm just the first one that came to mind is Maria. Maria's fine. So yes, go along with it, but then play your game with the middle name. Take charge of the middle name because there's so many people that go by their middle name. And your daughter will decide what she likes better when she's three, four, five years old. And then you say, what do you like better? And then you go with, so if it's Maria Elizabeth and you want to call her Liz and she says, I like Liz.
2: Go with Liz. I have a solution. Okay. Just name her Michelle.
1: Well, you can't do better than that. Name her after Michelle Smallman and everybody will be happy.
2: Just, sir, go to your wife, say... I have found the solution, and it's Michelle.
1: Yep, we listen to the show every morning. We know <laughs> the sort of quality person Michelle Smallman is, and this is what we want our daughter to grow up to be.
2: I will so. say it's a fun name to write. A lot of loops in Michelle.
1: Oh, I bet, yeah. And here's the an other eye, thing about it. You can
2: make a heart over the eye yep. if you're so inclined. And
1: the other thing you have to tell your wife is we never, ever, ever call her Shelley.
2: I have an aunt that's named Michelle that goes by Shelly. What individual. do you
1: think, Michelle?
2: It does not fit my personality. Mm-hmm. It does not fit me. I am not a... Can you imagine calling me Shelley? I cannot. It is not in my DNA to be called Shelly. But there are a lot of Michelles out there that go by Shelley, mm-hmm. and it fits them very well.
1: But if, if the baby's named after Michelle Smallman...
2: Then no, you can't go there. You're not going there. Yeah. Okay, last one. Okay. From the 618... Dear Uncle Randy, this one's sad. My dad has been struggling as of late following my mother's death. Mm. He's independent. He's getting around okay, but his house is a mess. His hygiene isn't the best. He's forgetful of important things like staying on top of bills. I want to ask him to live with us, but I don't want to offend him and make him feel like he's entering a nursing home. He's 73. What should Mm. I do?
1: This is tough because your father is at an age and the The era in which he grew up he has a tremendous amount of pride and he doesn't feel like he needs help but you have to convince him that he does and you have to say dad we love you and we don't want you living in a situation where something might happen and we aren't able to help you immediately and Say, hey, look at your house. This isn't the way your house was when you were 55, 53, 20 years ago. And we're here to help you. We, we want to make your life as good as it can be. If you have grandkids, even better. Will you come in and, and join us in our home? But you, what, what you have to do is avoid presenting it in a way that appeals to his pride because he doesn't want to be told he can't do anything so what you have to do is try to make it so that hey dad we just want to make your life as easy and as fun as it can possibly be and and if you get to a point where he you do have to appeal to his pride just go back to the money aspect of it and say dad look we miss paying them. i don't want to see you lose your house or something important in this house because we didn't pay a bill
2: you could also use your kids if you have kids
1: that's a, a huge part of it yeah. you
2: know they love you they don't want yep. you to be alone they want to spend as much time with you as possible yep. so why don't you just come live with us right
1: but having dealt with this like you did firsthand the biggest issue is overcoming for a 73 year old man the level of pride that he has in his independence and the, I guess another thing you can say is hey you know what? It's been tough for me since mom died as well, but I have a family to fall back on, and I can't imagine how difficult it is for you. I want you to have family to fall back on every single day at home. Mm-hmm. I want you. I, I want you to be with us and be with your family.
2: I think that's a great approach.
1: Yeah,
2: but it's going to be a difficult conversation, it no is. matter what, yeah, because no people it. don't want to give up their independence and, or their space.
1: Right. And the the hey for everybody, that house is really important to him. That's really important to him. So it it is a tough conversation. But to me, the biggest thing is for a 73-year-old man, don't get him into a situation where he's saying, I can do everything. Well, he's going to say this. I can do everything myself. Yeah, I know you can. But we want, from an emotional standpoint, we want you to be with us. So thanks very much for the texts. We do appreciate them. 65780. Next up. The former Cardinal broadcaster, our friend Mike Shannon, has a new book out, and we will hear from Michael next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker and Cardinal Hall of Famer and 50-year broadcaster Mike Shannon has a new book out. It's called Get Up, Baby, My Seven Decades with the St. Louis Cardinals. Mike, it's always good to have you with us. How are you doing this morning?
4: Well, I'm doing fine, Randy. How about you?
1: I'm doing well, and uh, we're having fun with the Cardinals season. Hey, the first thing, I, I want to go to the title, my seven decades with the St. Louis Cardinals. How much pride do you take in spending that much time with your hometown franchise?
4: Well, you know, Rick Hummel was 50 years also now. I've only got in by 20 years. <laughs> but those 20 years were, you know, 10 of those were as a player. and. Uh, as a broadcaster you know so it was it was very interesting to have be able to broadcast with um, my fellow players that was very interesting and it's also in book
2: so many great stories in the book Mike and as Randy mentioned seven decades with the st. Louis Cardinals you played your entire life then you had 50 years behind the microphone what's that transition been like to not have every day be consumed by baseball tell us about what your life has been like now (laughs)
4: Well, it's been marvelous, you know. I get up and I don't have to do anything. (laughs) I mean, I'm really enjoying retirement uh, very much so. That's
1: fantastic. Hey, Mike, one of the things that's talked about in the book, and we've talked about it over the years, uh, whether you were a Cardinal player or a Cardinal broadcaster, is that you could have played football in the NFL, and a lot of people thought that if you would have stayed at Mizzou and been the quarterback there that you would have won the Heisman Trophy.
4: Do you think you would have won the Heisman Trophy? Well, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact, because we had such a good team. We had five high school All-Americans in the backfield. One of them couldn't even make it. One of them was uh, not even an All-American, but he was the best player we had back there. His name was Willie the Rocket Richardson. And uh, we had one guy on the line. He quit after... uh, couple of weeks, you know, because those uh, youngsters from the, uh, they weren't, they weren't Hall of Famers. They were better than he was. So he quit and went to another school.
2: (laughs) Well, Mike, Randy and I were privileged enough to get a little sneak peek of the book. And there are so many great chapters about important figures in your life, including Stan Musial. As a kid growing up in St. Louis, you got to watch him play. Then you got to play with him yourself. What was that relationship like with Stan Musial? What did he mean to you?
4: Well, he was he was uh, every, everything to me, you know. Except that when we went into Rigby Field, you know, when he went in there for the last time, he went around the league for the last time. So I played left field when he was supposed to play left field. There was a guy in the Bridgers who, who drove 700 miles from Kansas, and he brought his little 10-year-old son with him. And so they, they got to watch Shannon play left field instead of mutual. That was kind of a little letdown for this guy. He, just says, I mean, he said, hey, Mike, he said, uh, I drove 700 miles to see you play left field instead of Musial. <laughs> 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 so he got all over me. So I finally, I went up and Stan was taking him to the siesta on the uh, training table. And uh, so I had him sign a ball for the guy and I threw it up to him. So from then on, he was... He was a Mike Shannon fan. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: Mike, I, I know that you loved going to Wrigley Field, whether it was a player or as a broadcaster. Man, Wrigley Field was a great place for Mike Shannon to be.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt about it, Randy. And I'm glad you got caught on to it because there's some people that didn't. I almost got traded over there, you know, and it would have been a great deal for me personally, but... Well, not for the ball club. It turned out that uh, Shannon was uh, a pretty good player when it came to the uh, World Series. (laughs) Right. And uh, so I enjoyed that part of it as a Cardinal. I was lucky enough to hit three home runs in three World Series that I played in.
2: Unbelievable, Michael. Well, another thing that's really prevalent in the book is so many great managers that have come through the St. Louis Cardinals right. organization that you've been privy to either play for or to observe as a broadcaster. In your opinion, who's the best manager that you've ever seen come through the Cardinals?
4: <laughs> well, that's not fair. You know. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> but they never said it was going to be fair, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> when you get in the position like I'm in, you know. They asked the you questions like you just asked me, and I said it was a tie. You know, it's fortunate that I had the privilege to be able to uh, have the choice of working with uh, Minugio or Shanes, or Tory or Whitey Herzog. I mean, that was a pleasure.
1: Mike, we all have turning points in our life, and you detail your battle with the kidney disease nephritis that caused you to not be able to play ball anymore. And we know the effect that nephritis had on your baseball career, but what effect did nephritis have on Mike Shannon, the man?
4: Well, you know, I had to to quit playing baseball, so that was a big change in my life. I had played something or another, either football or baseball, my entire life. So I had to make a change, and the change came easily because they offered me the uh, broadcasting job. So I just switched right over from being a player to being a broadcaster, and it was an easy transition. And I was very fortunate. And then to have uh, managers, like I had all uh, Hall of Famers, you know, Joe Torre, Red Chaneys. What he heard all Tony Larusa, it was a pleasure.
1: And, and Mike, I know that you have had a lot of fun, and I, I was going with that with with the golf and with the horse races. You have had a lot of fun with your life. You've gotten the
4: most out of it, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say so, Randy. You know, <laughs> I, I've really been lucky, and you know, I call it lucky because you have to take advantage of this thing. And I think I, I did take advantage of them.
5: No doubt.
2: (laughs) Well, Mike, who's somebody, whether it was somebody you played with or somebody you would pal around with when you were the broadcaster with the Cardinals, that you had the most fun with?
4: Roger Maris. Yeah, he and I didn't get cheated on anything we did. (laughs) That's
1: great. Mike Shannon spent 50 years in the Cardinal broadcast booth and so many calls over the years, whether it was McGuire's number 62 or McGuire's number 70 or the Albert Pujols home run in 05 in Houston or the the World Series championship in 2011. Mike, do you have one or two that stand out for you of your favorite calls?
4: Yeah, I, I think I do. You know, the one that he hit off the ace for the uh, Cubs, uh, you know, after he knocked him down and he got up and he hit a home run. You know, that was a great exhibition by Albert Pujols, a great player. And I think that I got a lot out of it, too. You know, I enjoyed it as much, if not more, than he did. It was the epitome of what you want to do in this game, and he did it.
2: And Mike, we haven't had the opportunity to speak with you yet this season. What was your reaction to Albert coming back to St. Louis to finish out his career?
4: Yeah, I thought it was great for the fans, you know, and for Albert himself. It was perfect that we needed Albert pools and he needed us. That's what you really want.
1: Hey, Mike, before we let you go, in retirement, uh, we know that you're out by the pool today, <laughs> but uh, you still getting out there and getting some fishing in, getting some hunting in?
4: Oh, yeah. I'll be doing my deer hunting thing down in Kentucky as I always have. I don't want to mess that up. But that's been real good for me.
1: Well, you've been real good for us. You've been great for St. Louis, great for the Cardinals. And young broadcasters like myself and Michelle, we we appreciate what you've done for all of us. And we love the book. The name of the book is Get Up, My Seven Decades with the St. Louis Cardinals. Mike, it's great to hear your voice. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time.
4: Randy, it's my pleasure always. And it was my pleasure to do the book with Rick Hummel. You know, he's a very, very talented guy. I was fortunate enough that he's been around for 50 years cover Cardinal Baseball. So it was a perfect fit, and it was a perfect way to transition into retirement.
1: And it's a perfect read. Michael, thank you so much. Take care.
4: All right, Randy. Thank you.
1: Mike Shannon, great to hear that voice, Michelle. Great to hear that laugh.
2: How can you not laugh when you hear that laugh? One of Mm -hmm. the most iconic laughs and iconic voices in St. Louis sports history.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that Mike decided when he suffered from nephritis, and it almost killed him, it ended his baseball career, but he decided, you know what? I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to live life. Mm -hmm. And so if you were on the road with the Cardinals and you were going out in the morning, sometimes if you were sitting, eating breakfast in the hotel cafe, Mike had... Walk in, and then 40 minutes later, you'd see him walking out with his golf clubs at six in the morning.
2: Late night, early morning.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> Mike has lived life, and it's great to hear his voice. And Again, the name of the book with Rick Hummel is called Get Up My Seven Years or Seven Decades yeah. with the St. Louis Cardinals.
2: I uh, We got an excerpt of the book, and it's mm-hmm. wonderful. I can't wait to read the entirety of it cover to cover.
1: Mike Shannon joining us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, buzz around the San Francisco 49ers that the players want Jimmy G to be their starting quarterback what? over Trey Lance. Take it or leave it, there will be a quarterback controversy in San Francisco this summer.
2: Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to leave it. Because I think if you're a player there, you better get it out of your head that Jimmy G is going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Because that's not, that's not going to happen. So you better get on board with Trey Lance if you want your team to have success.
1: I'm with you. I don't think that Jimmy G will be there on opening day to make it a controversy. He certainly isn't going to get an opportunity during training camp. He's not even there. They've given him the ability to make a trade. I don't think that they want the possibility of a... A controversy in their locker room so I don't think that Jimmy G will ever set foot in that facility again
2: I can't believe that it's July 27th and we don't know where he's going to play football that's this amazing year. isn't it? He's a good quarterback hey
1: you, you look at, and we're going to talk later about the tears that Mike Sando has at the Athletic and he's got to fit in to the best 32 in the league.
2: No doubt. And I know the injuries are a knock, but this is also a guy that has had a lot of postseason success. He wear, he wins everywhere he goes. Clearly, his teammates enjoy playing with him. Mm-hmm. He's a, a quarterback that should be desirable for a lot of franchises, but here he is without a seat. Crazy. It is crazy. I'm, I'm very interested to see where he goes.
1: Yeah. Not many Super Bowl quarterbacks in their early 30s can't find a place to play.
2: That's right. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, ha-
1: handsome ones too, but super handsome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, come on. He would be perfect on a billboard.
1: Yeah, he sure would. On <laughs> the subway commercial.
2: He'll he'll sell you some tickets.
1: Yeah, he will. Mm-hmm. There'll be some
2: ladies who buy the tickets. Oh yeah. Tell you that. And some guys. Oh, definitely some guys. How do mm-hmm. you think I got some? All, I got all of my friends to watch the NFL and the pl- the playoffs because I showed them a photo of Jimmy Garoppolo. I said, guys, let's watch. Ladies, See, there you let's go. get on board here. Yep. Everybody was like, what time's the game? <laughs> we will be tuning in. So thank you, Jimmy. Speaking of quarterbacks and guys trying to find a spot, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers Ooh. and the quarterback competition between Baker Mayfield and. Sam Darnold. Now, Sam Darnold says that the two guys are both cool with competing to become Carolina's starting quarterback, but most people believe that it's Baker Mayfield's job to lose. Take it or leave it, Randy. Baker Mayfield does not have the Panthers' starting quarterback job for the entirety of the season.
1: I'm going to leave that. I think that Baker Mayfield will win that job and I think that he will be embraced by the team and the community. We just don't give enough respect to the fact that this guy went to 11-5 and, and won a playoff game with the Browns, and it was just two years ago. And, and he was
2: injured last year and right, still played well. Yeah,
1: he, he was beat up. He set the all-time record for rookie touchdown passes with 27 back in 2018. I, I think people look at the perceived immaturity of Baker Mayfield and think, okay, well, that completely defines him. Sure, does, does he need to grow up a little bit? Yes, he does. But a lot of guys need to grow up and do. I think Baker Mayfield is going to wind up being a good quarterback in the NFL.
2: I wonder how close the competition will be in camp.
1: Well, if you put the two guys together side by side, Darnold is a you know, he's 6'3 and 230, and he's an imposing guy with the big hair and the jawline and stuff. <laughs> he looks like a quarterback. He does. But if you put him in games, I think Mayfield will win the job because of games.
2: It'll be interesting to see because yeah. I could see it being close competition in camp. Baker getting the nod and the Panthers having a rough stretch and people clamoring for Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if, if the team would get nervous yeah. and make a switch.
1: The other problem they have there is they have a bad owner that'll probably wind up making the decision. All right. Your text, 65780. Matthew, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it.
3: Otani is worth whatever you would trade for Soto.
2: I'll take that. You're getting two players in one.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll take it, too.
3: Take it or leave it. Armstrong failed
1: to get Chuck from Calgary. Now it's time to go after his brother. Uh, well, he can try. But he's in the midst of a seven-year contract with Ottawa, and he's their captain. I don't think he's going anywhere. But say, you can try.
2: I don't think that um, that's an option yeah, that's on the table for Doug.
1: I think Ottawa's actually trying. Yes, they are.
2: Hey, make no mistake about it, though. I would love... Matthew or Brady Kachuk, to wear the know. Yeah,
3: me too. I would have loved one. to have both of them.
2: That would have been awesome.
3: Take it or leave it, you would feel more confident in the postseason hopes of the Cardinals with Schiltie at the helm.
1: I would say yes, because he's been there the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, I I don't... It's not that I don't have confidence in Ollie to get mm-hmm. the job done, but we've seen Mike Schilt do it before, yeah. so I, I have no doubt that he would be able to do it again.
1: And my perception, Michelle, could be completely off-base, but my perception is, is that the manager of the Cardinals that's sitting in the dugout is not really the manager of the team. I think the decisions for this team are made well before the game starts. Mm-hmm. And it might have been one of the philosophical differences that they had with Mike Schilt is that he wanted to manage.
2: He actually wanted to do his job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How dare he?
1: Yeah. Hey, this is money, Paul. It's, it's, and this isn't indigenous to the Cardinals at all. This is just the way the sport is run now. I don't think managers make decisions.
2: And that's part of the reason that I think the game has lost a little luster. Mm-hmm. When you're pulling Blake Snell when he's rolling in a mm-hmm. World Series game because the front office and the analytics are telling you to, that is not as fun of a, of a game to watch.
1: No. I was telling my son, Patrick, yesterday about how much fun baseball in the 80s was because... The Mets had Hernandez hitting third, left-handed hitter. Gary Carter hitting fourth, right-handed hitter. Daryl Strawberry hitting fifth, left-handed hitter. So what would Whitey do? He'd bring in Ken Daly to face Hernandez, and then he'd get Hernandez. And then he's got Carter coming up, so Ken Daly goes to right field. Carter's a pull hitter. Todd Worrell comes in to get Carter, and then you take Todd Worrell out after he gets Carter, and you just bring in Daly from right field to pitch to Daryl Strawberry. One, two, three inning. You aren't seeing that anymore. Sounds so fun. It was great. It was awesome. Take it or leave it. Wayno will pitch at least eight innings
3: with two earned runs and seven strikeouts. I'm going to leave it seven innings.
2: I would love for him to go eight, though. Me too, yeah. (laughs) I would love for Wayno to go the distance. We need him. Yeah, we need... I don't want to burn him out, but I have more faith in him than I do anybody else. (laughs) Yeah, I do,
1: too. Ted (laughs) mind being burned out, by the way. He's told us before. He he told managers, abuse me.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm
1: old. If I I blow out, that's that's the way it goes. (laughs) It's National Chicken
3: Tender Day. Take it or leave it. A Sunjoy is the best beverage to go with a chicken tender.
2: I'll take that. And how apropos that it's National Chicken Tender Day on Wednesdays with Wayno, brought to you by Chick-fil-A.
1: It's a good lunch and a Sunjoy.
2: This is, if you're looking for a sign to go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast or lunch or dinner, here's your sign.
1: And proceeds, by the way, from today's sales of Sunjoys at Chick-fil-A in the St. Louis metro area, go to bigleagueimpact.org, which is very cool. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 650. Okay, coming up, trade deadline is next Tuesday. Who are Michelle and my top three cardinal trade targets? We're going to tell you next on 101 ESPN. (laughs)
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories It's Character and Smallman's Fresh take.
2: Brought to you by Schnucks
0: Rewards It pays to shop at Schnucks Download the Schnucks Rewards app today
1: in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And the trade deadline in Major League Baseball is Tuesday. So the Cardinals need some stuff. And Michelle and I are going to give you our three favorite Cardinal trade targets.
2: Should we go from three to one? We should. Okay. Number three.
1: All right, uh, Michelle, (laughs) my number three. And I'm going to go from least to most realistic here. Okay. My number three is Luis Castillo of the Reds. The Athletic had writers put together trade offers for Castillo and they didn't even invite Katie Wu to put together a package for the Cardinals (laughs) to get him. But the beat writers from around baseball were thinking that it was going to take a ridiculous offer to pry Castillo from the Reds and it'll probably take even more if you're the Cardinals. If the Cardinals were to get him, it'd hurt. So we are going for it this year. So this is what it's gonna take. Jordan Walker and Matthew Libertor. That's where you start. I love the guy. I love Castillo, 29 years old with control left. But I think I can get someone that does what he would do for the Cardinals this postseason and do it just as well without having to give up Jordan Walker.
2: He's on my list too, but I'm going from least desirable to most desirable. That's how my barometer is going to rise here, Randy. And so coming in at number three for me is Madison Bumgarner Mm. I know you're looking at his ERA and his win loss record this season 3.71 ERA 6 and 9 so far on the season and you're thinking really how much could Madison Bumgarner really help the Cardinals I want to look at the resume in totality a four-time all-star two-time silver slugger NLCS MVP a World Series MVP and a three-time World Series champion this is a guy who knows how to win in the postseason and if the Cardinals are truly thinking that they're going to not only be a playoff team but a world series contender why not bring in a salty old veteran that's gonna call people clowns who knows how to get it done when the lights are the brightest
1: i love that idea And we might hear that name again later in this segment
2: okay i love that
1: but let's get to
2: number two two
1: two okay michelle my number two is <laughs> pablo lopez Miami Marlins. Now, Lopez has a 3.03 earned run average at the moment. Pretty good, it's gone up from a 2.30 just a few weeks ago. At The Athletic, Jim Bowden writes, if traded, Lopez will be one of the top three starters dealt at the deadline, but the Marlins will only trade him for a middle of the order bat, Tyler O'Neill, or a two-way center fielder who is not arbitration eligible. Unfortunately, our guy like that is, at the moment, on the injured list. Lopez is 26. He's under team control through 2024. He was great last night at Cincinnati, giving the Marlins seven innings and allowing only one run. He would be a great fit for the Cardinals. And I think the Cardinals' depth matches the Marlins' needs.
2: Hmm. I like where your head's at on that one, Randy. Thank you. Well, they they have the pieces to make any move that they would – So choose, Mm -hmm. which is an advantage for them. So coming in at number two for me is number three on your list, and that's Luis Castillo. If the Cardinals truly hope to contend and hope to make a deep playoff run, they need to fortify the pitching. So why not grab the most sought-after starter on the trade market? He's a two-time All-Star, 2.77 ERA, 82 strikeouts through 13 starts this season. He's only 29 and he would be a massive addition for this rotation. And as you mentioned, Randy, it's gonna hurt. It's not gonna be easy to acquire someone like Luis Castillo, but this is an obvious need for the Cardinals and if they're in those conversations, They should jump at the opportunity to add him.
1: If they can add him at the right cost, I'm all over it. Okay, it's time for my
2: number one.
1: Michelle, I'll tell you one thing about this team. Got to clean it up. (laughs) Got to clean it up. My number one is Madison Bumgarner. If the Cardinals would get him, based on the first 100 games, he'd be a number three starter and a solid number three starter. He's been above average with a bad team. Arizona has committed 60 errors. The Cardinals have committed 33. As a team, Cardinals 34 defensive runs saved, second in the NL. The Diamondbacks only have 14 defensive runs saved. He is not the strikeout weapon that Castillo or Lopez are, but he is a guy that is savvy, that would take advantage of the Cardinal defense, and... Has the pedigree as we love Bob Gibson here. We love Chris Carpenter here. The best postseason pitcher in the history of the sport, the 150 year history of the sport. Madison Bumgarner stands as number one in the postseason. The Cardinals would upgrade Mad Bum significantly. Mad Bum would upgrade the Cardinals significantly. And all it takes is a willingness to spend a few bucks.
2: Can you imagine Madison Bumgarner throwing to Yadier Molina?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Doesn't that just look great? Right. And our BFIB would fall in love with the old school Mad Bum, who's got a lot of Chris Carpenter in him.
2: They would love Madison Bumgarner, just like they would love Mason Saunders.
1: Yeah, who is another great fit for St. Louis when we have the rodeo in town
2: i i can just imagine press conferences with him getting getting mad and getting salty it would be great we would love it he was on my list randy i would love for Mm -hmm. them to go out and acquire mad bum but who is your number one one, one. (laughs) if we're talking someone i want the cardinals to get trade targets someone i know that they can get as long as they have the stomach for it, give me Juan Soto. How are we not going to have Juan Soto as number one on this list? He's a generational talent. He's young. Everyone is suspecting that getting him would also include Patrick Corbin, which is a starting pitcher who the Cardinals could certainly use as the Nationals' attempt to shed some salary there. And it's definitely going to hurt. You're going to have to give up a lot to get him. But I'm in the camp of give me a proven commodity over future potential any day. I'm kind of sick of going down potential lane. I want something that is known and what is more known than Juan Soto. Imagine a lineup, Randy, that includes Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and Juan Soto. If you can't outpitch a team, let's outhit them.
1: I love that idea, Michelle, and that has people have had so much success doing that. I mean, could you imagine having like Shohei Otani Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout in the same lineup together
2: oh <laughs> oh <laughs> well I don't really have a rebuttal to that Randy other than the fact that the Cardinals are in a much better position than the Angels just organizationally they've been a failure for quite some yeah. time I like their pitching better do they have an Adam Wainwright no do they have a Miles Michaelis no Why? so they do have some other pieces the bullpen has been better th- this year come on Let's not compare the Cardinals to the... Do they have devil magic? You bet you're behind they don't.
1: No. I I love the generational talent thing. I love the great everyday player thing. But I also think that you have to have a level of depth and you can't trade five or six key future pieces to get the generational talent. And by the way, I believe, and I don't think I'm wrong here, if the Cardinals would make the offer for the, the, the Mark DeRosa offer, for Juan Soto, that included, was it Walker, Carlson, Gorman, uh, who else? Oh, Mason Wynn, that's, and then one of the two young pitchers, McGreevy or or Grosefo. That's,
2: that's an over, <laughs> oversell. If you're going to make
1: that offer, why not offer it for Mike Trout?
2: Because Soto's younger and available.
1: But Mike Trout has the highest war in the history of
2: First recent, of all, recent that, war. That package, I don't, don't think.
1: Start with that.
2: Uh oh. let's not go down that war road now listen I don't think it would take all of that to get Juan Soto I would hope not and the Cardinals are are not going to give up I think the Cardinals could get Juan Soto without giving up Jordan Walker
1: if there's one thing and I, I would hope that's the case but if there's one thing that having Mike Trout and Shohei Otani on your team have shown us is that you need to have pitching to win
2: that is very true
1: and if I, and if I'm the Cardinals and I have chips, not that I wouldn't love to have Juan Soto, I would I, I would love to have Juan Soto on my team, but if I'm using my chips, I'm using those chips on pitching rather than hitting.
2: I am too, because that's the obvious need. And Patrick Corbin is going to come right he along sucks. with Juan Soto.
1: He's I'm done. Winner. I hate saying it because I used to like Patrick Corbin, but I don't anymore.
2: <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm just trying to soften the blow, Randy. But listen. We are in this to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we watch baseball games and it's boring. I will not be bored if Juan Soto is part of the Cardinals.
1: But would you be bored by the winning?
2: I think Juan Soto makes you a better team. He, he, he does
1: make you a better team. <laughs> he makes you, better team. No a, makes you a better Juan team. Absolutely no doubt. How is adding Juan
2: Soto to your team not a net positive? It,
1: it, it does make you a better team. But. Does it make you a team that can go into a series against the Mets where it's Scherzer and DeGrom and Carrasco or against the Dodgers when Bueller is back and you've got Bueller and Urias and Anderson and Kershaw? Does Juan Soto give you the opportunity to go head-to-head with those guys because of your pitching? though? No.
2: What if the Cardinals get Juan Soto and they get Mad Bum? You could acquire both. I'm down with that. That solves both your problems. Let's do that. Why not?
1: What about your boy, Ian Kennedy? I.K. Yeah, well, he... I.K.? Yeah. (laughs) Don't. That's... I'm heading that one off at the pass. I.K. Marry the St. Louis gal. Of course you got to want him on the team. I.K. Yeah. No. (laughs) No? No. It was too much like 1K. There was another person that I was thinking of. There was somewhere around Michelle. And I'll think of it. There's a J-dub that St. Louis needs to acquire. I, I can't remember who it is right now.
2: Well, why? Just
1: because of the word. That no, but don't we already we're have trade one? to the other one. No, we have Nay-dub.
2: I thought oh, you were I trying don't... to call Jordan Walker J-dub.
1: Oh, yeah, he is J-dub. But there's another J-dub around. You could have J-dub. You could have... No, you can't. Deuce?
2: No. That's Jason Tatum's son. You can't do it. Okay. We already have a Deuce that's a right. superstar in our town, even though he doesn't live here.
1: That's true. God, we love Deuce. Yeah
2: you can't have two there this town is yeah. not big enough for two j j dubs it's just not
1: all right i'll think of who it was anyway maybe <laughs> maybe we'd have to trade j, maybe we'd have
2: to make the soto trade listen i didn't want to do this because you're supposed to be the foundational piece for our future and we've compared you to albert Pujols. but we've already got a j dub <gasps> it
1: happens We're gonna have to move on yeah. from you there's not room for two of y'all here in this town
2: uh coming up next is that madison bumgarner yep, kicking him out
1: yep yep uh Mike Sando has his annual quarterback tiers out, and we're going to tear his list down next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: The Athletic. Our friend Mike Sando has his 2022 quarterback tiers out, and we'll give you a sample of his tiers quickly, and then we'll kind of review how things turned out. First of all, legitimately, he has Aaron Rodgers at number one. He's got Patrick Mahomes at number two and Brady three overall. Josh Allen makes his way up to number four. Justin Herbert, number five. That's a great future pick. Joe Burrow is number six, and then as we move to Tier 2, Michelle, Matthew Stafford is number seven on his list, Russell Wilson number eight, Dejean Watson is number nine, ahead of number 10, Lamar Jackson. I have an issue with that. We'll talk about that in a moment. (laughs) Dak Prescott is number 11, and Derek Carr is number 12. Kyler Murray is number thirteen, which is, seems kind of high. He's higher than Matt Ryan, who's number fourteen. Then we move to tier three, and these are quarterbacks that are just—they're uh, they're just guys. Uh, Kirk Cousins, number fifteen overall. Number sixteen is Jimmy G. Number seventeen, Ryan Tannehill. Number eighteen, Mac Jones, a little overrated there. Number nineteen, Baker. Number twenty, Jalen Hurts. Twenty uh, tied for twentieth, Carson Wentz. Uh, number twenty-two is Jared Goff. Number twenty. 23 is T-Law Who? Trevor Lawrence
2: Oh, we're Uh, going T-Law with him now?
1: Yeah, 24 is Jameis 25 is Justin Fields And we'll get to that 26 is Tua Tua legit to quit 27 is (laughs) Davis, Davis Mills of the Texans 28 is Zach Wilson 29, Trey Lance 30 is Daniel Jones 31 is Marcus Mariota 32 is Sam Darnold. 33 is Mitch Trubisky, who might rock it up after this season. 34, Drew Locke, and they, the coaches and GMs don't like him. And then there's only one guy in Tier 5, and that's Geno Smith mm. of the Seattle Seahawks. All right, a couple of things that struck me, Michelle. First of all, up in Tier 2. and I, First of all, what do you think of the list? Do you have any real issues with Tier 1?
2: I have no real issues with Tier 1, but I do have one thing in Tier 1 that I am very pleased to see.
1: Mm -hmm. And that is?
2: That Josh Allen is a Tier 1 quarterback, because I think Josh Allen was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm convinced that if he wins that shootout versus Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the playoffs, that the Bills are not only in Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl. I think the Bills could have won the Super Bowl. And so... He narrowly missed being a Tier 1 quarterback last year. Josh Allen is a Tier 1 guy and deserved to be there.
1: And I get recency bias. It's totally understandable. Matthew Stafford last year was up. Oh, this year, he's up over last year. If Jaquiski Tart of the 49ers catches that easy interception.
2: Oh, uh,
1: Yeah. Is that is Matthew Stafford number seven right now? If he, if he throws that pick and prevents the Rams from going to the Super Bowl.
2: I don't think he's number seven.
1: No. I don't either. And for that reason, and again, we go back to recency bias and the most recent thing we've seen. I would, at the top of tier two, I would have Russell Wilson ahead of Matthew Stafford. And this is real nitpicky on my part. My biggest issue, Michelle, is, as I mentioned at the top the idea that somehow Deshaun Watson can be better than a lot of these guys because Deshaun put up all those numbers the last year he played but he didn't play last year and hasn't played in a year and what sort of leadership ability does he have in a locker room now Mm -hmm. after everything that he's been through I have real trouble despite the fact that the last time we saw him play he was really good but I have real trouble putting Deshaun Watson up there at nine
2: I feel the same way strictly because we don't know and obviously the Houston Texans were an absolute mess the last time Deshaun Watson played and he was the only shining light on that team he he proved that he can play at a high level despite adversity around him and a lack of talent Mm -hmm. around him which is what I think a lot of people are still putting stock in and why he's there but I don't know what he's going to look like after taking so much time off. I can't put him in that tier.
1: And I want to go back to Russell Wilson for a moment, because Russell Wilson's one spot ahead of Watson. Mm -hmm. And one personnel exec docked Russell Wilson because he has an office at the facility. I
2: saw that. And he has an entourage that follows him around. Don't you
1: want the guy in the building?
2: I think that was more of, if you... I should read the entirety of it because it was talking about how he has an entourage when he travels and he needs special hotel rooms and he needs an office I I gathered that that was them saying he's kind of a diva and he needs all of these perks to feel special all the time and that that might not translate to a new facility and a new team and
1: the way I read his actions is He's got a lot of stuff going on. I would much rather have him have an office in the building than off campus and have to drive to downtown Denver downtown Seattle so that when he finishes the stuff in the office, he can go right back to what he was doing. And by the way, if he has an entourage, this guy's been around since 2011. It's not a bad entourage.
2: Listen, if Sierra's your entourage, we'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. She's awesome. Here's the quote from the GM, from a GM, an anonymous GM. The difference with Russell is he is a lot more high maintenance. He's got the entourage. He needs the office at the facility, the extra hotel rooms on the road, all that stuff. It'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works with a rookie head coach and a rookie offensive coordinator, how they gel. And to me, that meant not that he's so dedicated that he's got the office, but that it's more optics, that he wants the space and wants everyone to to know that he's number one and that's why he deserves an office at the facility
1: but one thing about Seattle is I never saw his work ethic and his preparation questioned
2: no I didn't either
1: and so if he's getting the work done again I would just rather have him in the building now the other one Michelle is I mentioned Lamar Jackson being behind Deshaun Watson Lamar's team has been to the playoffs in each of the last three seasons. He's a leader. He's an awesome guy in the community. His co- coaches and teammates love him. He brings his receivers down to Florida to work out during the offseason. He gives his body up for the team, clearly. Mm-hmm. He's won an MVP. I can't imagine how so many NFL people could put Deshaun Watson ahead of Lamar Jackson.
2: The disrespect for Lamar Jackson is pervasive. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The way that he's viewed, at least in my eyes, across the NFL, because I'm with you. I would never have ranked Lamar below Deshaun. And I think Lamar deserves a lot more respect around the league than he gets. This is an MVP. He's Mm -hmm. a a guy who has succeeded again, despite the talent around him at times. And I think he's an absolute stud. I would have put him much higher.
3: There was a quote. He could win 15 MVPs and he still won't be a number one quarterback in my mind. That's that's the mindset from people around the league about him. I don't understand it.
1: I don't either. And Now, here's another one where it's just, to me, a lack of... It, it's more focusing on what a guy can't do rather than what he does. Mitch Trubisky led a couple of bad Bears teams to the playoffs. He played there four years. He was in the playoffs twice. All right? Mm-hmm. He never had great outside receiver talent. He was never, ever, ever protected well there. And he's going to have to get protected in Pittsburgh. There's no doubt about it. They have to improve their offensive line. But when you have a tight end like, like Pat Freermuth, when you have Deontay Johnson, when you have Chase Claypool, when you add George Pickens to the list, when you have a great running game and a great defense... I would not be at all surprised to see Mitch Trubisky move into high tier number two next year because of the year that he has with the Steelers. I think Ooh. he's a number 33 right now in the league, which isn't obviously among the starters. I think Mitch Trubisky is way better than that. And I don't think that he gets enough credit for doing what he did with Chicago. We have all these people talking about what a horrible coach Matt Nagy was and that he he should never coach in the league again. So Trubisky was able to overcome that and get to the playoffs twice. If those people are right, then he must be better than they're saying. Because if the coach and the quarterback are as bad as people say they were, then they don't wind up in the playoffs.
2: I also think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that does not get enough respect around the league for what he's done. I don't think he's a tier one guy, but I'm surprised he's not in tier two just based on the playoff success that he's had, just based on the leader that he's been. Seemingly, all of his teammates love to play with him and play for him and he's a guy who you can plug him in and you can win. I know the injuries have been there. I know he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers but he's a guy that you can absolutely win with and he's proven it time and time again. I would have put Jimmy G in tier two
1: and jimmy g when he has played has won and one of the execs said a head coach said jimmy is a two in my opinion and the only reason anyone would say he's a three is because of injuries bill belichick liked this guy a lot so if if bill belichick liked him not that bill belichick is the greatest evaluator of quarterbacks he drafted tom brady in the sixth round and brady did a lot of good things for them but i I would say that Jimmy G has to be above the 16th best quarterback in the league.
2: And this is where it gets very, um, there's a lot of hypocrisy there. Because how are you going to put Jimmy G in Tier 3 because of injuries, because he hasn't been available, but you're still going to give Deshaun Watson the benefit of the doubt, who who hasn't been on the field either, for one reason or another. It's still an absence that they've both been dealing with and it just seems like with Jimmy G nobody wants to give him any credit.
1: No and it's really interesting and Tannehill wound up in the same situation. Tannehill led the league in passing a couple of years ago but if you throw a singular interception in a playoff game for these people it defines you and that's really sad. A lot of people wanted to define Kurt Warner because he threw that interception against law when Rod Jones didn't block a guy coming off the edge but People, for whatever reason, in this league love to define a quarterback, singular play in a singular game in the postseason.
2: Oh, yeah, they do. Well, that's the snapshot. That's what Mm -hmm. you remember, right? Um, My candidate for quarterback that I think is going to, you said Mitch Trubisky, you think is your guy that's going to skyrocket when we talk about this next year. My guy's Justin Fields, who came in at number 25, tier four guy. We know the athleticism. Uh, We know that he's, uh, at least the book on him, is that he's a smart quarterback. And I think maybe with a little stability, we could see, and and a little more seasoning, Mm -hmm. I think we could see Justin Fields start to shine.
1: And hopefully that coaching staff by the way people that have been around that coaching staff don't have a ton of respect for that group either that they hired but hopefully that coaching staff can get the most out of Justin Fields
2: yeah we're gonna find out how much of the issues there were Matt Nagy related
1: yeah when you hire an offensive coordinator who's really young 32 and his history is that he was the quarterbacks coach for Aaron Rodgers I could go to Green Bay for two years and become a great head coaching candidate if I had Aaron Rodgers I can be Aaron Rodgers' quarterback coach, and then you hire me as an offensive coordinator.
2: You'd be Josh McDaniels. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> You'd have many head coaching jobs, Randy.
1: <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is your quarterback tiers. By the way, if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic Man, it's great. And Mike Sando, our friend, always does great work. The fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
6: Welcome to
0: the fight on character and small men. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker
2: time for the fight. I'm and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Yesterday Randy matched the Cardinals win streak of 17. We were wondering if he could get there. He did indeed. Today he tries to surpass it. Number 18 is on deck. John's going to try and stop him from that feat. He's joining us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning John. How are you? I'm great Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Where are you from John?
1: Well, I'm from South County, but I'm calling from a vacation in Austin, Texas right now. So,
2: A little bit ways away. Okay. Well, thank you for streaming us on your vacation. Uh, Thank you for bringing us along. It sounds fun. What are you doing in Austin, Texas?
3: Well, we're just packing up today. We're heading to San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. Going to see some ball games,
1: SeaWorld, the Alamo, Riverwalk, a lot of tourist stuff.
2: Sounds great, John. Enjoy. Have a great time. Well, let's hope that you win the fight today. You can stop Randy and his tracks on this win streak and continue on with your vacation. Sounds like a pretty good day to me.
5: I'll do my best.
2: All right, here we go, John. Good luck. Question number one. What is the Major League Baseball record for errors committed by one player on one play? Is it three, four, or five?
6: I'll go four.
3: Since Warren Moon in 1990 to 1991, only one quarterback has led the NFL in passing yards in consecutive seasons, and he did it two different times. Who was it? Was it Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, or
2: Drew Brees? I'll go Drew Brees. Happy birthday to Jordan Spieth. What is the one major that he hasn't won? Is that the PGA Championship, the US Open, or the British Open?
3: the U.S. Open. And who was the main player that the Yankees traded to the Rangers for Alex Rodriguez? Was that Hideki Matsui, Mark Teixeira, or Alfonso Soriano? Alfonso Soriano.
2: Ooh-hoo. John did not lose any sharpness on vacation, that's for sure. How you feeling, John? Eh, I feel good about the last one. We'll see. We're trying to Randy is chatting with someone. I'm not sure. I'm trying to get his attention here. Well,
3: that's the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly.
2: Oh, it's Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. He's, gonna come, he's gonna going to come in, on he's, on, he's gonna come, come in here and in. watch the rest
3: of the fight, it looks
2: like. Yeah, it's oh 8.30. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's time for are the we fight. Are we, fight. We, we are live. We are, we are live. live. So We're we we'll That's what that, re- that big red light means. That <laughs> oh, <didn't> that. <laughs> um, Randy, say good morning to John, who is streaming us live from his vacation in Austin, Texas. That's
1: John, thank you very much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Hope your vacation is going well. It's going great, Randy. Good morning. Good morning to you. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready.
2: Just a reminder, Randy. Yes. Yesterday was 17 in a row. Mm If you win today, you beat the Cardinals' win streak of 17 games.
1: I like that. That was an all time record for them.
2: It was. Can you surpass it? We'll find out. Question number one for Megamind What is the Major League Baseball record for errors committed by one player on one play?
1: Well, Chris Duncan made three in the minors (laughs) on one play. I'm going to go with three.
3: Since Warren Moon in 1990 to 1991, only one QB has led the NFL in passing yards in consecutive seasons, and he's done it two different times.
1: Who was it? Led the league in passing yards in two consecutive seasons. In consecutive seasons. Since Drew Brees... Went 5,000 yards like seven times. And everybody else has combined for like four. I think I'm going to go with Drew Brees.
2: Happy birthday to Jordan Spieth. What is the one major that he has not won?
1: Speether. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, he's, I believe, won the British. I don't recall Spieth winning the Masters. I'm going to go with the Masters may have but I don't know and
3: who was the main player that the Yankees traded to the Rangers for Alex Rodriguez Alfonso
1: Soriano
2: (sighs) what a fight Randy has won 17 in a row did he make it 18 or did John take some precious time out of his vacation to Heisman stop Randy in his tracks Matt, ring the bell.
0: The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener.
2: The king is dead. Finally.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: John, you did it. You beat Randy three to two. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Good job, John. Well,
2: John, you have 2020 vision. You did great today. The Major League Baseball record for errors committed by one player on one play is four. Hmm. It was Giants third, third baseman Mike Grady in 1899. Oh, okay. Back in 1899, yeah. Randy, you remember that play now that I mentioned
1: it. Oh, that yeah, play. now I remember the scoring. Of I'm that sure
2: one. you do, yeah. yeah. Since Warren Moon in 1990 91, only one quarterback has led the NFL in passing yards in consecutive seasons. He did it two times. It was Drew Brees who did it in 2011 12 and in 2014 16. Shout out to Drew Brees. And shout out to Jordan Spieth. It's his birthday. Mm-hmm. The one major that he hasn't won is the PGA championship. The PGA the PGA Championship and the main player that the Yankees traded to the Rangers for A-Rod was Alfonso Soriano so we have a new guy who is sitting on the throne it's John and John I know you're on vacation but can you join us again tomorrow to see if you can go for two in a row
1: absolutely we'll see if San Antonio brings me as much luck as Austin
2: <laughs> Sounds I love good. It. thanks John enjoy your day
1: sounds good have a good one all right. Thank you, John. Congratulations. Good and job.
2: Randy, congrats yeah. to you. What a run. Oh, thanks. You did awesome. Great That's job. 17 nice in, in a row. See. You killed it.
1: Thanks. Um, coming up next here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to Ryan Kelly for a second. And what's the Blues championship chances for this coming season? That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: know what the Blues are going to look like when they start training camp in a couple of months and it's going to be a franchise that still has Nick Letty but does not have David Braun and Michelle, I think most importantly, is going to have a couple of rookies that are going to have to play key roles with the team. Both Jake Neighbors and Zach Bolduc, first round draft choices over the last several years, are going to be with the team and Matthew was asking this morning, what is the ceiling for this team? Is the Stanley Cup championship a ceiling, and it would be, I think, an unrealistic ceiling for this team. I don't think that this is, at least going in from what we know, I don't think it is a Stanley Cup championship team. I think it could be at the end of 24, but to me, 2022-2023 is more of a transition year with Kairou getting better, Thomas getting better, and ascending to a superstar level. Bennington playing like he did in 19 for a whole season and the uh, the youngsters rising to a level that is a winning level at the NHL level.
2: Do you think that this is more of a transition year because you think the pieces that they lost are just too much to make up or are you saying that based on what you think the competition is and how strong they are around the league?
1: For me it's losing a guy like Billy Husso, losing a guy like David Perron, even though he was hurt for last year, for last year, Tyler Bozak was a big part of this team, mm-hmm. and not having him around will certainly make things different. And not only that, but we haven't seen Logan Brown for a whole season. We, we a whole season played. Haven't seen Toropchenko for a full, full season played. We don't know Achary very well, the nominal new number four center. Plus the youngsters. It's going to take some time, I would think, for this group. And one of the things that the Stanley Cup champions always talked about was, we'd look around the room and we knew we were good, but they also had a lot of new veteran players that had to gel. But if you go back and look at the early years of Ryan O'Reilly in the NHL or Robert Thomas in the NHL or Braden Shen or David Perron, they were not great as rookies. The Blues have not had a rookie forward win they call it a trophy. And usually when a rookie forward gets to the playoffs, he's kind of worn down.
2: I I'm with you on that, but I also look at this team. And you still have 80 20 plus goal scorers on the team. Eight. eight excuse me, I say nice 80? To have 80. It would be well, if we had 80, we wouldn't <laughs> even be uh, having this conversation right now. That would be amazing. Um no, we have eight 20 plus goal scorers. Thank you. On this team, the <laughs> offense is still there. Oh, sorry. I thought Matt was jumping in there. He was talking to someone else. And Prior to the beginning of last season, you knew that Ville Husso was going to be there with Jordan Bennington, but you weren't counting on Ville Husso to be the guy that he was. Not for 40 games, no. You knew that he was ranked higher than Benner initially when um, he was in the system and that he was projected to be good, but you didn't think that Jordan Bennington was going to have the dip in production that we saw from him and that Ville Husso was going to have to Mm -hmm. exert himself. So we're looking at that as a loss, but that was not an expected piece of the pie last year. So I also am taking that into account because... and Bennington seems to be back, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that he is the Jordan Bennington that we expect. So, even though Huso is a loss, it wasn't what you were anticipating to be last season, and I think if Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas can continue their ascent, as much as you miss David Perron, I don't know if that is going to be too much for the Blues to overcome. I think when I look at the pieces of this team, I still think it's a playoff team, and if they can find their identity and get some of those young pieces up to speed early enough, I think they could still be a contender.
1: One of the other things that has to happen, Michelle, is we have a tendency to look at Jordan Kyrou's offensive production, but all the turnovers and the lack of getting back on defense has to change. Mm-hmm. He has to get to that level that Thomas got to in the second half of last season after he came back for the in, from the injury. Uh, getting to a point where he was reliable defensively to the point where Ruby was putting him on the PK a lot. He, he became a great all-around player. And you hope that Jordan Kyrou has that in him to be a guy that plays a 200-foot game. And that's one of the things I do think you can count on with Neighbors, is that he's going to be responsible defensively. I don't know about Bolduc. But I just wonder if Neighbors is going to be able to provide enough offensively. But like you say, if the eight guys that did score 20 or more last year replicate the offense that they gave us, even without David Perron around, the Blues should be able to score enough. But – My question is, are they going to be able to prevent goals enough to be a Stanley Cup contender? Because once you get to the playoffs, that's what it's all about.
2: Your question about Jordan Cairo is an interesting one, and I thought about that, which is why... I was a little surprised that he wasn't in the conversation, at least reportedly, when it came to Matthew Kachuk, because that is a concern. Is he going to be able to play that 200-foot game? Is he going to be able to get back? And is that something he's going to put a focus on? You know the speed is there. You know the skill is there. But you need to see Jordan Cairo take a step forward and have more of a complete game next year and— I just wonder about young players, too, Randy, if that's something that they're that interested in. Because you're seeing a lot Mm -hmm. of these young young stars and young players that come up and they they just want offense, offense, offense. They want the speed. They want the skill. That's what's fun, right? And it'll be interesting to see if Jordan Cairo commits himself to that game.
1: And the Blues thought that Robbie Fabry was going to become that player. Mm -hmm. And he never has, even though he's gotten back, well... He got hurt again, but even when he got back to being healthy, he never became that 200-foot player that Doug Armstrong envisioned when he re-signed him after the 19 season. So those are some issues that the Blues are going to have to deal with, and because of the fact that Colorado is what they are, Nashville is ascending. I think Nashville has actually improved themselves during the offseason. Minnesota, and it's going to come down to the goaltending for them, but Minnesota should still be really good. Dallas should be really good again with the young goaltender. It's going to be a really difficult conference to make the playoffs in. Now, do I expect the Blues to make the playoffs? Yes, I do. But is it going to be easy? I don't think it will. So do you think they're sealing this year 5-6 six, six seed? I would say that, yeah, heading into, this, into the season, heading into training camp, that would be my anticipation. Hopefully they can do more than that, but that would be my— I, I, I will not be bothered— if my expectations are a six seed and they wind up as a six seed, that's just what, what I think reality is. Same with the Cardinals. When I said that they were the seventh or eighth best team in the league, if if they're seventh or eighth, how can I be upset? That's what I thought they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I can't be upset if they're if they're not what I thought they were.
2: Yeah, this is what Met your expectations were. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, uh, we'll take a look back at the Cardinals' loss last night and how alarming that might be. And also, we're going to give away some Ducats next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Nobi John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com.
1: Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. We've got your Killing Me Smalls coming up in just a few minutes. And then Adam Wainwright will join us at the bottom of the hour. But, Michelle, the Cardinals lost last night by a score of 10-3 to three and got the home run from Dylan Carlson early, gave Palante a lead. He blew it almost immediately, blew the lead, and the Cardinals were behind 2-1 one after 1. And then things just blew up when Jordan Hicks and Junior Fernandez started walking guys. And that's devastating for this team that doesn't have a lot of margin for error, especially now without your three and four hitters in the lineup. So they don't have a lot of margin for error. And then when you walk four guys and they all wind up scoring, that's pretty devastating too.
2: Yeah, when you're missing your two best players, regardless of the reason why, it's an opportunity for the rest of the team to pick them up and the rest of the team to to step up and win some games. And frankly, make a statement after dropping two to three to the Reds to open the second half and... The result last night was disappointing for many reasons, but that's one of them for me, Randy, is I did not expect the Cardinals to open the second half, losing the series to an inferior opponent, especially within the division. And at some point, they're going to have to right the ship. And I just hope that this deficit between the Cardinals and the Brewers doesn't get too big because I'm not one, even though the Cardinals tend to find a way down the stretch, I'm not one to want to put stock into that. You can't just guarantee that that's going to happen every single season.
1: And this could get away from the Cardinals like it did last year. They they didn't win the division. They had to go on that 17-game winning streak just to make the playoffs. But this is, A, not a pitching staff, that you would expect to go on a streak right now before the trade deadline. They aren't going on any... 13 out of 18 game streaks with the pitching as it's currently set up. They need Adam Wainwright to win tonight to get a split from this series. But I'm with you because when you look at where the division is, the Brewers are headed, it seems like, towards being able to beat whomever they play. I know the Cardinals, we talk a lot about it a lot, how the Cardinals have the easiest schedule. But I don't think it matters to Milwaukee who they're playing. Uh, They are playing a two-gamer against the Twins right now. Twins are first in the AL Central. Milwaukee beat them, play them at 110 today. Then they go to Boston, and then they get the Pirates and the Reds and the Rays, who, by the way, just lost their catcher and center fielder, Zanino and Kiermaier, out for the year. Then Milwaukee comes here and they get the Dodgers. But then they've got, like the Cardinals, the Cubs and the Pirates and the Reds down the stretch, too. So Mm -hmm. they're going to have a pretty easy schedule. And I don't think the Cardinals can be in a position where they get to mid-August and they're six games out. I don't think they're overcoming that sort of a deficit against this Milwaukee team, who, by the way, is getting healthy. They're getting their pitchers back.
2: I also wonder, too, about morale within the clubhouse. And I know that there's... this clubhouse is not devoid of leadership by any means. They probably have the best core of leaders that you could ask for. And Wayneo and Albert and, and Gold, Goldie and Nolan when they're there. And or Molina is returning. But at, at some point, Randy, too, when you know that your team might not have the pieces in place, like if you really don't think you have the pitching to get it done, you. I just wonder... It takes a lot to summon what they were able to do last year to go on a 17 game win streak and truly believe that you could get it done night in and night out. It takes a lot mentally to be able to put yourself in the position to go on a streak like that. And I just don't want the Cardinals to have to get there. I don't want them to have to summon something like that.
1: And sadly, they're going to have to make a move and they're behind the eight ball because they didn't get pitching before the season started. They didn't get starting pitching depth. So they're going to be in a position where other teams know that they're desperate and they are going to have to make an uncomfortable move before next Tuesday. If they want to win, if they want to be in the playoffs, they're going to have to make an un- an uncomfortable move uh, by the trade deadline.
2: If not now, when?
1: That's a very good question. Very good question. All right, Michelle, I got a question.
2: Oh, let's hear
1: You think anybody out there wants to get an Ozzy Smith bobblehead?
2: Why wouldn't you want that?
1: I think you would think you would. 101 ESPN is your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to next week's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals-Cubs game on August 2nd. The Bud Bash giveaway features a limited edition Ozzie Smith bobblehead. You can get all the details for Budweiser Bash nights at the ballpark now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Okay, here is the question, Michelle. Okay, I'm ready. There was one year in Ozzie Smith's career with the Cardinals... In which he played fewer than 100 full seasons let me qualify this Uh, full seasons where he didn't play at least 100 games before his final season leaving 1996 out of it so in his years 1982 through 1995 he was the Cardinal shortstop except for one year in the one year that he wasn't the number one Cardinal shortstop between 1982 and 1995, who was? And if you are texture number, uh, hold on, I got a, I got a great answer for you here. If you are texter number, do You want a little Jeopardy music?
2: Do 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 do. There we go.
1: Texture number forty-four. 40? Forty-four texture number 44, uh, you will get the tickets to see the Cardinals and the Cubs next Tuesday, and you'll get the Ozzy Smith bobblehead. Texture number 44. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
6: You're killing me, Smalls.
0: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought
2: to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack
0: and sip store. All right,
1: we do have a winner. Michelle, the Cardinals traded Gary Templeton to the Padres for Ozzy Smith before the 1982 season. So Gary Templeton wasn't the Cardinals' number one shortstop the one year that Ozzy wasn't between 90 or 82 and 95. The Cardinals got Royce Clayton and in 96 Royce Clayton was the other shortstop although Ozzy played 82 games. In 1995 Ozzy was hurt and the guy who played in his stead was Trip Cromer. Trip Cromer was the one player that Played shortstop for the Cardinals more than Ozzy for one year during Ozzy's career, and Courtney is our winner. Congratulations to Courtney on the way to the Cards game against the Cubs next Tuesday at the ballpark, and getting an Ozzy Smith bobblehead. And it's time for you're killing me, Smalls.
2: You're killing me, Smalls. There we go. Yesterday, Randy Aaron Rodgers reported to training camp, and he did so with a unique new look. At first glance, you were thinking, oh, it's kind of simple. He's wearing that white tank top, the long flowing hair, jeans. He's got the black belt. And then it was pointed out that Aaron Rodgers showed up to training camp dressed as Nick Cage from Con Air.
1: (laughs) I think it's very funny. I think he's got a good sense of humor. I was just telling you during the break because you haven't seen Con Air. I have
2: not, no. Which
1: is a quintessential... Nicholas Cage movie, but listen to this cast. Okay, tell me. To me, one of the two or three most underrated actors of his era, John Cusack, John Malkovich, uh, Ving Rames, Dave Chappelle, Steve Buscemi, uh, Danny, the, the late, great Danny Trejo, who just passed away. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, a really impressive cast for a movie that was, eh. But I get how Aaron Rodgers would like it.
2: Steve Buscemi also so crazy underrated.
1: He really is. He's great.
2: He's a difference maker in every movie he's in.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm a fan and I'm kind of a fan of the outfit.
2: Cousin Tony from The Sopranos. Great, great Steve Mm -hmm. Buscemi role.
1: Yes. Danny Trejo is still alive.
2: Uh, Randy, you killed Danny Trejo.
3: Who who
1: just died last week? Um,
2: Many people, I'm sure. But I mean, uh, uh, Paulie Servino. No, it
1: was last week and it it sounded like Danny Trejo.
2: uh, Paulie Walnuts from The Sopranos died.
1: Wasn't him. Uh, let's see. Hold no, on. Now I'm really da- word I missed a death. Danny, Danny Trejo still about.
2: alive? Fire the the horns! Thank goodness. <laughs> right. Tony,
1: uh, Tony Doe? Hold on. Tony. T- Tony Now, Dao? yesterday it was reported on his own Facebook page oh, that yeah. Tony Dow was dead, but then his family took down the post and said, "No, he's he's still alive." <laughs> Seriously. Wow. You
2: know what? I'm yeah.
3: just gonna do this anyway. Guys.
2: You're killing me, Small. Just, yeah. Well, in yeah. addition to Nick Cage, uh I mean Aaron Rodgers showing <laughs> up for training camp, Russell Wilson also got to Denver or he was making his uh his entrance as a member of the Denver Broncos. And he did so, Randy, wearing gear from his own line with his own label and his own jersey that's right he walked in wearing a number three denver broncos jersey he rolled in wearing his own jersey he's
1: prepared he's ready to get out there and practice michelle
2: thoughts on this
1: i don't like it i kind of like the con air nick cage costume better i'm not a fan of a player wearing his own jersey into training camp
2: you know it's funny because aaron Rodgers is um someone that at times, can seem to take himself very seriously. Mm -hmm. But then he has incredible self-deprecation. Whereas Russell Wilson just seems to take himself very seriously at all times.
1: This is a little bit too seriously, though, isn't it? I would think so. I mean, just get in under the radar. Don't show up for your very first training camp with the Broncos wearing the Russell Wilson jersey. I'm I'm not a fan of that, Michelle. Got to be honest.
2: I just... I wonder what that conversation was like. Did he ask someone at the facility to procure the jersey for him? Did he purchase it online so that it was delivered to him? I just wonder what he, what, if someone came to you and you were the equipment guy and said, can I get one of my own jerseys so that I can wear it to walk in (laughs) for training camp? What would you, what would your reaction be? I'd be like, really?
1: Russ, come on, Russ, I, I like you a lot. But we have limits here, even for Mr. Unlimited. It's less,
2: ri- let's ride now, Randy. Oh, That's yeah, what it is ride. now. Let's ride.
1: But I think that replaced Go Hawks.
2: Go Hawks. I'm going to miss that.
1: Yeah, that was good when you did
0: it.
2: You're killing me, Smalls! The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have added another weapon for TB12. Tom Brady is now going to be throwing to Julio Jones as he goes to Tampa Bay on a one-year deal.
1: We should put together a little game. Maybe we can do a segment and pick out which five games Julio Jones
2: plays. Oh, Randy! I like that! That's horrible, I like it! Now, Now that he's on the TB12 method, if Gronk can stay in one piece, so can Julio Jones.
1: Oh, is, is Julio on the TB twelve?
2: Uh, well, I would imagine Tom might try to recruit okay. him well to then. okay ditch the night chase and start stretching.
1: I like the idea. Okay,
3: let's do it, Randy. If you can pinpoint those five games, you can win a fantasy championship. I think you could. No yeah. joke. That, yeah. I mean, that would be that could be crucial. Just oh. get yourself in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they, the, the guy has plays. thirteen
2: thousand three hundred thirty career receiving yards. Yeah. He's, do you know how many times he's led the the league in receiving yards? Twice. Yeah, very good. Mega mine, of course. Now.
1: He was really good.
2: I would think he oh. would be more than twice, though, because of how good he's been.
1: Yeah, but Julio, he... To-
3: he was the first time I ever watched... Like, saw a player commit to a high school and then like got, like, bummed that I wouldn't be able to see him in the NFL for, like, six years. Like, I, I legitimately was like, oh, man, I'm not going to get to see this kid play for six years in the NFL. He was that incredible from day one once he hit the, like, national scene. I loved Julio Jones. He was the best. I he still was-
5: can't
2: believe you killed Danny Trejo. I'm You're killing think- me, small. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. I'm going to try to think... I'm trying to think of the guy
1: that... Actually, did die.
3: We lost a lot of the mob stars.
2: We really did. Pulling Walnuts, R.I.P.
1: Yeah, I thought his name was Danny. As a matter of fact. I don't know. I'll find it. I know we're going to find it.
2: All right. Well, one last thing from me. We talked yesterday about Kyler Murray and the interesting clause, the addendum, if you will, in his new massive contract that requires him to study film for four hours per week during the season so that he can stay in compliance with his new deal. It's called an independent study addendum. And as you can imagine, Randy, this has gotten a lot of opinions from a lot of people within the NFL, including Lewis Riddick, who said this on NFL Live yesterday.
3: The last thing I would want, honestly, is for someone to question my work ethic, question how much I'm invested in my profession. And for Kyler, have this kind of thing come out about him where there's already been plenty of talk about this before anyway this isn't some kind of like revelation that people have questioned kyler's commitment to the game kyler's body language in the course of a game kyler's ability to be a leader to be able to deliver in crunch time in the last quarter of the season when the team needed the book these are all been questions that have dogged in since he came to the nfl but for now they are making it a part of your contract that you have to study four hours a week outside of the facility four hours a week and they have to put it in writing and they can actually go after your contract and to fall on your contract if you don't do it that's embarrassing
2: man embarrassing i would agree
1: with that it's almost like they have to put it in his contract that he has to work hard
2: i wonder if other teams w- are going to do something similar to this in the future because i i don't know if it's strictly a kyler murray problem i mean clearly they think it's enough of an issue that they wanted to put Mm -hmm. it in writing and Mm -hmm. have there be severe consequences for him financially if he doesn't study but I just wonder in general if a lot of young quarterbacks aren't as committed to the playbook and they have a hard time studying maybe maybe they've got their phone in their hand they're a little distracted you know I just wonder if even if they don't show a huge sign of doing that this seems like a way that teams now can kind of kick open the door to have that conversation and put in writing that that players are going to be required to do this
1: and I think we need to look at how their development has changed because in college now you've got a bunch of pictures on the sidelines that are showing everybody what the play is Mm -hmm. there are no playbooks So it's just, okay, look at the sign, there's the play. So you really don't have to study a playbook in college because there isn't a playbook. Remember Brian Quick. Brian Quick walked into the Rams, never had played in high school or college on a team that had a playbook. So I get why he wouldn't think that he needs to read the playbook because he's never had it before. So I think you're right. I think that with the, the way college quarterbacks are making their way to the NFL right now, you're going to have to somehow encourage them to prepare whether it's by watching tape or studying their own plays because right now they don't have to in college
2: no they don't so i know that a lot of people like lewis riddick are saying that this is an embarrassment but i wonder how many front office guys behind the scenes are like maybe we should work that in our next yes really not a bad idea
1: (laughs) thanks michelle you're welcome coming up next it's wednesdays with wayno with carriker and smallman on 101 espn
0: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN
1: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman On 101 ESPN And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line It's Wednesdays with Wayno Cardinal right-hander Adam Wainwright Is in Toronto as the Cardinals get ready To take on the Blue Jays Good morning, Adam, how you doing?
5: doing great how are you all doing
1: everything's good here in st louis we had uh, quite a storm over the course of yesterday and obviously a lot going on it's nice to be in toronto where they have a roof on the stadium what isn't so great is that the roof doesn't work <laughs>
5: <laughs> is, is that right yeah that roof it just, it, it just stays open now it just stays open i did not know that uh, i i don't get up here too often you know as you know we've I've probably been up here three times uh since I've been in the big leagues. Maybe maybe four. I don't know how it is. It's not more than that though. So I'm um, I love this city. I love coming up here and, and uh seeing new things and you know, even experiencing something like customs and going through all that is can be a unique experience. But uh I don't know much about um Canada in general, but uh, especially the Blue Jays. I don't know much about them. Yeah,
1: well, the, the last I heard, and maybe they fixed it since, but the last I heard is that that roof did not work.
5: We'll have to find they out. Open, completely open.
1: The the last that I saw, it, they just kept it open, right? And the weather dirty
5: I don't think that I've seen it open. I, I my memories of that place are with it always closed.
2: Hmm. We'll get research on that, yeah, Adam. Yeah, we will. Uh, well, Adam, it's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken to you, so I want to know what's the best thing that you did during the All-Star break?
5: Oh, man, I, you know what? Uh, well, the best thing I did was nothing, which was great. You <laughs> know, just, just uh, having nothing to do sometimes can be great, and that way you can, you know, go out. and. But I, we, we went out, uh, my family and and myself, and we had a couple of friends in town. We went out to the St. Louis Aquarium uh, they just did a fantastic job on the aquarium did the ropes course up there too and uh we we ate uh ted drew's frozen custard and andy's frozen custard had a little frozen custard taste test um we we grilled out and stayed in the swimming pool you know so so much and we ate a couple of our favorite places grace meat and three um which if you hadn't been to i'm a little biased because i'm part owner of grace meat and three and uh I, I am a little biased, but it, it's one of the best places to eat in the entire city. I don't know if y'all been there or not, but um, we just did, you know what? What uh, if what most people in St. Louis would do if they had three days off? We we enjoyed the incredible weather we had. We, you know, we even even the heat was good. Getting in the swimming pool and and uh, the aquarium was awesome. The went down, saw the arch and you know, got on the Ferris wheel. Just did all the St. Louis stuff. It was great. My kids went down to the City Museum, had a great day. I mean, it was just a it was a St. Louis kind of week.
2: It sounds lovely, Adam. And uh before I ask you my next question, I just want to tell you, I was at a wedding recently and Grace Meat and 3 actually did the food and it was to die for.
5: Yeah, they they do a great job over there. Chef Rick is incredible. His team and the staff are amazing and uh, it's just uh, if anybody doesn't know, it's just uh it's like Chefy take on southern cuisine man they got the best fried catfish and fried chicken you'll ever eat in there and just great country fixings and you know turkey leg and sometimes they'll do like a a a pork a pork steak that's just the best I've ever had they do a good job there
2: well before we spin ahead to your team and the series in Toronto I want to look back to the all-star break I have two questions for you first of all I saw Ryan Helsley he was walking the red carpet carpet he was styling He was profiling. the suit looked great and he was getting interviewed and he said this suit is courtesy of Adam Wainwright he actually bought me this suit in spring training so shout out to you so take take us through that tell us the story of how you ended up buying Ryan Helsley the suit
5: well, when I was a rookie, um, I had a navy blue blazer and khaki pants, and that was what I had. You know, didn't have any suits. And and uh, Scott Rowland told me that that is not big league. You know, if you're going to be a big league player, you need some suits. And uh, that's how we traveled, especially back in the day. We we dressed up in suits everywhere we went on planes and traveling, and and uh, so he bought me my first two suits um, when I was in the big leagues. Um. Just uh, just an incredible gesture, an incredible guy, and and uh, as I've gotten older, you know, once I started making a little money in the game, um, I just realized how cool of an experience that was for me and the story I could tell. And oh, who bought you your first suit, Scott Rowland? So, you know, I, the starting pitchers and the the pitching rotation when those guys are rookies, you know, until they until they make a little bit more money in the game uh I, I i buy him a suit every year in spring training so usually this year i've probably bought 12 or 14 suits and and for for rookie guys and and uh i do that every year you know it's just something that i feel like is is a cool thing to pass down you know hopefully when those guys are older players they buy suits for the younger guys too so uh, it's just one of those uh pay it forward kind of things
2: that's a great tradition, Adam. I love that. And then my second all-star question for you is about Albert Pujols. It was so good to see him not only in the home run derby, but getting past the first round, beating the number one overall seed, Kyle Schwarber. And it was great to see all of Albert's peers and all of the other all-stars really recognize him and give him the honor that he deserves um, in his last season in baseball. That had to be cool for you to get to watch that as well.
5: Man, that was like the Albert Pujols all-star game, wasn't it? And it, <laughs> so deserving you know i was i was having so much fun watching that home run derby and all the the hoopla that went along with it and how they honored albert and and uh, it was just really great i mean it's just you know the he deserved that he's just uh, he's been such a great player and such a great person in our in our game for so long um and that was really fun to see him perform too and and like you said take down kyle Schwarber, which is not an easy thing to do and hit 20 something home runs and you know just it was fun man the guy's Forty-two years old and and huffing and puffing and still going strong up there and and uh, inspiring all of us old, other older guys to to keep going, you know.
1: And Adam, one of the cool things I thought about the All Star Game is that, and you're around every player. Not every baseball player is a baseball fan, but I thought it was really cool to see the reverence that every single player has for that guy. Even if you are if you're a player that just likes playing and you aren't a huge fan, you know who Albert Pujols is.
5: Well, he's a legend. You know, he's one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, the numbers back that. But he's also been a great teammate and a friend to so many people. And reputation gets around. You know, if he was a total prick, uh, the, he wouldn't have been honored like that. The players would have not stood up there and and gave him that kind of treatment. You know, but because he's been uh, great to so many people, that's why you saw what you saw.
2: Adam, it was so fun to get to watch some of the great dynamic young stars in baseball during the All-Star Game. Uh, Totally random. I'm just going to pick a young player for you to assess for us if you wouldn't mind. What do you think of Juan Soto?
5: (laughs) Just totally random, huh? Yeah, (laughs) I just was picking a young superstar,
2: very dynamic. No no agenda at all, Adam.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, we like our guys, but don't get me wrong. That's a guy who can help anybody's team, you know, get better, obviously. He's a... he's an incredible incredible talent he's i mean you saw him in the home run derby he hit a ball 482 feet and it didn't even look like he was he was trying you I mean, know just flicks them out there sometimes to left center and they go up like 20 rows up in left center it's just really impressive some of the things he can do with a bat but he has one of the most elite eyes at the plate of any hitter in the game you know he just does not swing at balls he does not swing at the ball off the plate at all and and uh, that can be really tough on a pitcher so very Very good player, very good talent, and apparently a very good guy, too, uh, in the clubhouse and on the team. So that's important also.
1: Hey, Adam, when you have played on teams that have gotten really hot, for example, last year, the 17-game winning streak, but down the stretch in 06, or when you guys went on the run, even though you weren't playing, you were with the club in 2011. Can you feel that before it happens? Do you feel like, okay, something good is about to happen?
5: Yeah, you can feel things—the momentum building, you know. And what happens is, uh, when that kind of that kind of mojo starts creeping into the clubhouse, guys show up a little more excited, guys show up a little more enthusiastic, they show up a little more confident. And it's not something you can fake, you know. It's something that that, uh, and you can't almost, you can't even explain it, uh, and you don't know why it happens sometimes. But sometimes that just that momentum, sw- swips, uh, flips, and you just all of a sudden. You get this mojo out of nowhere that you didn't have before, and you can ride that for a long, long time. Uh, but that's just you know part of being a part of a 162-game season. You have ups and downs. And when you have downs and you understand – here's the thing about being in a slump. This is what I always tell our hitters and our pitchers. When you're in a slump and you're, you feel like you're at the lowest of the low, that means you're the closest to being hot. And, uh, you know, so when you go through bad patches as a team – go through lulls where you just go, man, I just know we're so much better than this. Now, not if, it doesn't work like this if you're a bad team. If you're a good team, you're going through a tough stretch. Then you have to have those eyes at the end of the tunnel where you can see that light and you say, all right, I know I'm down here in this deep gully where I can barely see anything out of it. It's just terrible. But that means I'm the closest to coming out of here just screaming hot as it gets. So um, that's just uh, this is something that you learn over a long time playing the game is that sometimes slumps. Although they're bad, that just means you're really close to coming out of it in a big way.
2: Speaking of an infusion of swag and mojo into the clubhouse, Adam Yadier Molina is set to return. He's going to make his appearance in Memphis later this week. And I bet you're really excited to have your battery mate almost returning.
5: I am looking forward to having my man back. You know, it's just uh, he's just he's meant to be here you know we we need him back he's a great leader and a great presence in our clubhouse and on the field also so um same thing i said about Soto earlier there's certain people that just being around make a team better and Yadier's always been one of those guys
1: and we talked uh, when the commercial came out the Budweiser commercial with you and Yadi and Budweiser actually has beer cans with Adam and Yachty on them. It's pretty amazing that uh, it's got to be from your standpoint that you're on a beer can.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's really neat for me. I mean, that's, you know, especially uh, a a head, a Bud Heavy, a Red Bud, man, that's, that is my favorite beer there is. I'll just be honest with you. I love a good cold, ice cold uh, Budweiser, and because uh, I, I, I don't drink a lot, you know, I, I enjoy one every now and then. But when I do have one, uh, I want it to be, you know, I want to have some back behind it, and and the the Bud Heavy is just my favorite go to beer. So to be on the can and just a, a, of a legendary brand like that, but also a legendary St. Louis brand, um, that's really cool for us. It's really cool for me, and and to see that. I mean, it's really, you know, they made me look kind of cool on there too. You know, this is the. It's, they did good with the, with the artwork on the cans, and uh, they did good on the commercial, too. I, I, the whole thing was presented and, and produced very well, and the staff took great care of us. And um, They're just a great American, St. Louis company, and, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it.
1: It's Wednesdays with Wayno with Adam Wainwright. More coming up on Character & Smallman right after this.
0: We're right back to the Character & Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire & Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman Wednesdays with Adam Wainwright. And we know you're a great leader on this team, a great communicator on this team. So with that being the case, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado not being available for this series. What have you done? How have you talked to other players about it?
5: Well, we haven't got into it just yet. Everybody enjoyed their off day yesterday. Um And uh, it stinks, you know, going into this series. You know, you're not going to have your two best players, two of the best players in all of baseball. Um, But that was a decision they made and a decision we respected. And and, uh, quite frankly, I just can't believe we're still doing this. You know, I mean, you know, I know things are still going. COVID's not gone, don't get me wrong. But uh, I I, I thought that we had sort of moved on with our lives. um, But we haven't apparently, and that's sad. But uh, we'll be without them for two days. The good news is these guys are going to get Three straight off days to to rest up and heal and and uh, I, I'll be honest, man. For those guys who have had the weight of their team on their backs the whole year, uh, this might be a really good thing. It might be a blessing in disguise. So the other guys are just going to step up. You know, we're just gonna have to come in here and play good baseball and play our brand of baseball. We're definitely not gonna have the two best hitters we have. There's no denying that, but we're gonna be uh, presented with an opportunity to step up and guys are going to get an opportunity to come out and play. Um, There's going to be bats in there that wouldn't have been in there if Goldie and and, and, uh, Nolan were here. So there's opportunity here. So everybody's just going to have to step up and be professionals and go about their business in a winning way.
1: And we'll remind everybody that you called Paul Goldschmidt's year. But I asked our mutual friend Stan McNeil yesterday, Adam, Paul Goldschmidt's year is the best for the Cardinals since. Do we have to go back to Albert? In two thousand
6: eight, two
5: thousand nine, two thousand uh, ten, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing Albert type things. You know, this is this feels very Albert of him. What he's doing now is very familiar to me. I've seen it. Uh, I saw it for seven straight years, and when Albert was with us, and and he did it for ten straight. You know, and and uh, it, this it's, it's it's just not to put a damper on anything Goldie's doing, but you know. Andre Pellante was sitting next to me the other day, and he's like, it seems like Goldie has a home run every game, you know? And then he ended up hitting two that game against the Reds when he said that. And I said, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, how many games have we played? And what is, the, what is the number of games we've played? Like 90 or so or something like that? 98. 98 games. We've almost played 100 games. So he's got, what, 26 home runs, something like that? So – it's around there right 25 right, home right, runs. Exactly. I said I said I said Andre um think about this for a second in 2006 Albert Pujols had 25 home runs the first 50 games of the season <laughs> so we're talking about the same amount of home runs in half the time and he was like "oh wow" <laughs> <laughs> Okay yeah Albert is pretty cool yeah and I must think yeah you know these guys they just don't know man they've the ones that didn't get to see albert play in person like you and i have and michelle did we we uh we got to see greatness you know and well what goldie's modeling is is uh just a, an extension of albert it just feels very albert like you know um and he's just he's coming up with big hits when we need him big rbis when we need him he's playing great defense uh he's a great base runner you know he takes the base when it's there and just this even the small look at the littlest, smallest things and details about Goldie's game. He does everything right. Even his slides, when he slides into a base, his foot never comes off the bag. You never see Goldie in one of those moments where he slides and there's there's that break in time where his foot's passed but his his knee's not on it yet. He he doesn't he doesn't give that blip of, of openness to the other team. He's giving nothing and taking everything. And that's why he's so hard to beat and so hard to compete against. Uh, for other pitchers and other teams.
1: Hey, Adam, you know what's interesting about Polante is that on opening day, Mark McGuire told Michelle and I, hey, he went to college five minutes from my house. I saw a lot of him, and it was actually McGuire that sold us on how good Andre Polante is. So uh, he has to know about Big Mac.
5: Man, you know, I would like to think so. I would like to think so, but there's just there's just so many times where he keeps proving amazing um, the the amazing lack of knowledge of the history of baseball <laughs> it's, just, uh, you know, it's just kind of amazing some of these guys on the team they're just so much younger uh, and they just grew up in a different time of, of video games or whatever where 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 we might have been inside you know studying the game or watching watching the games and and you know Going outside and trying to model it with wiffle ball. These guys are modeling it on MLB The Show, you know. So if they if they know about players, it's usually from video games. A lot of them, you know, it's kind of crazy that that world that uh, kids grew up in and are growing up in now. But uh, it's just different than I grew up. That's for sure.
1: And this is why you will whip up on them in fantasy football. And the Big League Impact fantasy football draft is August 26th. People can register now at bigleagueimpact.org. And I know you're ready to go. You've got uh, some atoning to do and, and you can't wait. I got to ask, have you scouted and do you have a sleeper or two for me? And I've got, mm-hmm. one, for you I've got one for you that you're going to love.
5: Well, it's not a sleeper, but I do I do expect Christian McCaffrey to have a big season this year. I think he's going to come back and, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be. But I, I think he's slipping, you know, mid-round, mid-first round in a lot of drafts, uh, in a lot of mock drafts already. And, and you know, this, this he's, a, he's a generational talent, that guy. So uh, that's one person I'm looking at. Um, I mean, there's names like Darnell Mooney and a couple other guys that are out there. I you know, I kind of like that Jacksonville Jaguars running back, Travis Etienne. Um, Etienne, I think he's just—he can do a lot of different things. You know, you just there's—he's one of those guys going to be hard to guard. He's going to be be a matchup nightmare for defenses, and so uh, that's one guy I've got my eyes on.
1: I actually had him because, uh, especially of their new coach, Doug Peterson, we saw what he did with Philadelphia and getting guys into space, and I think Etienne will be perfect for his offense. Another guy I like is George Pickens, the wide receiver, and he was hurt a lot at Georgia, but he goes to Pittsburgh, and they like to throw the ball, and even with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback, I'll bet you Pickens scores a bunch of touchdowns this year because of his size and his red zone presence.
5: Well, he's a big time talent. He's a big time talent. Um, it's going to be interesting. That I mean, we've got a regime change there at quarterback, like you said. And and Trubisky, you know, who knows? Who knows? In a different system, in a big system like that, where they've traditionally aired it out, you know, they, and they love throwing the ball to the running back, and they have a great receiving running back out of the backfield. Um, a guy like Pickens could do well. He, you're right. He could do well. They're going to have to. They're going to have to prove they can block a little bit on that mm-hmm. offensive line. Yeah, right. Um, that's, that's the question. So uh, we'll see. But uh, I like that. I, I like that idea. So especially, I like that you picked a dog. I will appreciate that. <laughs> hey,
1: no, no problem. I, I like doing that. So the fantasy football draft is August 26th. Register now at BigLeagueImpact.org. And you also, as the season continues, heading into the final 62, 63 games of the season, the All Win campaign continues too.
5: It does, and it does. Well, you know, we're just trying to do a lot of cool things, and fans can join in on our all-win campaign on bigleagueimpact.org, and every time we, the Cardinals win a game, uh, the great organizations that we're supporting also win. So that's why it's called the all-win campaign. Back to the fantasy draft real quick, though. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, that uh, people that come into our draft, and you can sign up for this on bigleagueimpact.org, but people are going to go at Busch Stadium, we're gonna go out, we're gonna play catch on the field. You can go out and play catch on the field. We're gonna be some of us, me and Tommy are gonna to be hitting ground balls to you and letting you shag in the outfield and and uh and then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go up and have a great time this week, suites, whatever. But uh some on field presence we're gonna have The clubhouse tour, it's going to be fun. Uh, We're going to be hanging out. It's going to be a great time. We'd love to have people join in the fantasy draft or on the all-win campaign.
1: Once-in-a-lifetime experience. All right, last thing before we let you go. You mentioned that you don't get many opportunities to get up to Toronto. So what was the golf course in Canada that Adam Wainwright was able to get to earlier this week?
4: A
5: friend of mine is a member of a course called Red Tail. Um, It's a Red Tail golf course. It's about two hours um, away from toronto in the middle of the wilderness of the, ontario i mean this place is deep man but this there's only like 85 members very very exclusive a few years back when the queen visited canada she stayed at red tail golf course this is where she stayed because it's so private uh, it's just one of the best courses i've played it's just an incredible property just you know way out in the sticks deer everywhere and uh, man you're just getting out there on an off day and being able to play some great golf and and uh, hang out. We took a we took a bus, a big van, uh, with with few of our teammates, and just had a, a just made a day of it. You know, just just a cool time of bonding on and off the field, and and uh, that's what you got to have as 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 a team.
1: And you are as good or better than anybody in baseball at that. Wayno, Always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Go get them against the Blue Jays, and we'll see you back here in St. Louis in a few days.
5: All right. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it.
1: That's the great Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Waino on 101 ESPN. Don't forget, Wednesdays with Waino, brought to you by Chick-fil-A. Head on over to Chick-fil-A, and when you buy lunch today, pick up a Sunjoy, which is an Arnold Palmer, half lemonade, half iced tea. And when you get a Sunjoy on Wednesdays at Chick-fil-A, well, a portion of the proceeds go to Adam's fantastic Big League Impact Foundation at bigleagueimpact.org. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch on
0: 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
6: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.